0: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to episode 24 of Eastern Current. I cannot believe we're already at episode 24. Um, This week, it's just a podcast recording. We're not doing a live show. It is uh, Thanksgiving week and everybody's busy and with their families, so we thought it'd just be best to um, pre-record a podcast and just upload it onto the podcast platforms that we have and uh, let y'all just listen. So uh, we got a really cool show this week talking about how to become a better weekend warrior. Um, for those of you that only get to fish once a week, maybe once a month, just some tips, tricks, and uh, trends and, and whatnot to help you become more efficient when you're out on the water and, and hopefully catch more fish. Um, and don't, don't write this off if you are not a weekend warrior, if you get to fish all the time. I think listening to those that only get a little bit of time on the water to fish and, and are effective, you can learn a lot from them. It's obviously, if you're on the water every single day and you're not catching fish, that's one. That's that's sad. But if, if if you're on the water every single day and still catching fish, um, you can still learn from those, those that are, uh, you know, weekend warriors. I think it's silly to just just write this off for that reason. But um, I want to jump into our sponsors uh, for this show and just kind of our helpers, our co-promoters, and uh, give them a shout out. First off, I want to thank uh, Ice Strike Fishing. Um, just a great company. They, they make incredible jigs and other lures for, um, you know, inshore fishing. I want to thank AFCO, which is a great clothing company. I want to thank Marshware, another clothing company um, that kind of work together. I uh, would like to thank CT Custom Lures. He's here locally in Wilmington, ties incredible flies, makes some great bass jigs of uh, freshwater and saltwater lures and flies. Also, would like to thank SeaTow. If you hit a sandbar and you need to get towed off before you get put on a qualified captain, give SeaTow a call and they will pull you off of the sandbar. And uh, what else? So we got uh, KBT Realty, which is Billy's Realty Group. Um, Billy's selling houses now, so if you need to buy a house, give him a call. And then Eastern Angling, which is my guide service, uh, my, my outfitter. I'm doing uh, fishing trips here along the North Carolina coast, as well as hopefully starting to get into some more duck hunting Um here in the wintertime as I'm not in Louisiana anymore. But without any more um, blabber from me, I want to bring on Jeff Kidwell and Cameron Pappas, the guests this week. They're two of my best friends. Um, both of them work during the week, one more than the other. Um, one gets to play a little bit more like I do, but but um, both of them I consider... Um, just really effective weekend warriors taking advantage of the time they have on the water and, and catching fish. So um, thanks for coming on to the podcast, guys. This is we never, We've never sat down and talked formally like this. It's very course, awkward. Yeah, thanks for having us. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, well, what do you all think? Are you nervous? A little nervous. A little yeah. nervous? Well, yeah, that's all right.
1: Nervous. I have a thing about hearing myself talk, so it's well, a little weird.
0: You just just need to put some uh, some, some headphones on, some noise canceling headphones. You probably should have had a couple glasses of scotch before. A couple glasses glasses of scotch. (laughs) (laughs) Just to loosen up a little bit. Um, Well, cool, guys. Well, I think the first question I kind of start all the shows, me and Billy do start all the shows like this. Oh, and and Billy was not able to come on the show tonight. He's been super busy. He had a, a, a real estate contract he had to write up, and so uh, he is not here tonight. But it's just going to be us three um, doing this this uh, this podcast. And so wanted to make sure I didn't forget to mention that. But first question I like to kind of kind of jump into is uh, how did y'all get into fishing? Like, what where where did that start in your life? I don't know who wants to go first. Go ahead, Jeff. Hmm. I've never I've never even asked you this, Jeff. I don't think.
1: Where did I start off fishing? I guess it would have to start back up in Maryland where I'm from, um, along the Chesapeake Bay. That's where, where I grew up. Um, grew up doing some striper fishing, and, and also up in, actually, Baltimore, I uh, used to go fish the Gunpowder River, which is like a little small, small river uh, that would feed trout and um, brook trout and things like that. Would Would do a little fishing doing that. That's really where I started off, fly fishing. but. Um, both of those areas where, where I kind of first started out. Um, but I guess my inspiration from fishing would probably come from my grandfather. He was super into it and just, he was mostly a pier fisherman. So I think my, my brothers and siblings and, and cousins have, have all taken it to the next level of fishing and, and really taken it more seriously. But, um, he's definitely the inspiration for all of us. I mean, he was, he was always out there on the piers and, and, uh, either in the surf or the pier, it's just doing kind of some, some regular old plain fishing. But um, that's, that's probably where it originated. Um, that's awesome. And then I came down here um, in North Carolina when I, when I moved uh, down here for school and college and, and just took it to a whole other level, you know, fishing for redfish, doing some sight fishing, fishing for trout and, you know, fishing for bass a little bit more. So it's just started out from, you know, probably a generation ago and just kind of taking it from there.
0: For sure. That's awesome. I I remember, uh, when I met Jeff, that is a funny story. I was in my yard in college with my roommate at the time. and We were casting fly rods and Jeff just rode up on his bike. He's like, Hey, y'all fly fish. And we were like, yeah, we, we fly fish. And we, ever since then we've been fishing together all the time. That's how we,
1: uh, that's how we became friends out. I remember biking to class all the time and and seeing your your little polling skiff i was just so stoked i was like who is this guy who has this skiff in his back we lived
0: like five houses away
1: yeah super close and finally i saw you out there i was like i gotta get to talk to him and i'm glad on. you did
0: here we go yeah hey guys thanks for tuning in to episode 24 of eastern current i cannot believe we're already at episode 24 um i guess i i started
2: so i grew up in wilmington north carolina um, and my earliest fishing experiences were probably here in the marsh, um, but never really got into it. I've, I fished with a couple, uh, old timers who were big flounder fishermen and trout fishermen and, um, you know, went a handful of times, but it never really, uh, got super hooked. Um, and then, my my dad every summer would take us to uh, out west to either Montana or Wyoming or Idaho and um, he, my dad's always been a really big uh, trout fly fisherman and uh, I I think my love for fishing really spawned from uh, trout fishing in the mountains because when I was really little um, they used to tell me that they they'd have to drag me away from the river because I was just couldn't put down the rod. (laughs) Um, And and so any, every time we went out West in the summers, you know, that was always the highlight of the trip was, was trout fishing. Um, And then after high school, you know, I went to college in uh, San Diego. So I didn't do much fishing out there, uh, but really moved out there for uh, school as well as for surfing because at the time I was doing a lot of competitive surfing um, and then I I lived down there for about seven years and uh, started really wanting to move back home and got an opportunity with a job, uh, the same job I work now. And when I moved back, I was, I was like, man, I'm going to be surfing just as much as I was when I lived in uh, San Diego. And, I slowly came to the realization that, um, you know, surfing every day probably wasn't going to be an option. Unfortunately, not quite as
0: consistent here.
2: Not quite as (laughs) consistent. No. So I was like, man, I need it. I need another hobby because I'm just going to lose my mind if I don't find something else to do. And, uh, started fishing here in the marsh, um, mostly in the marsh Did did some offshore fishing, but mostly, uh, backwater stuff. And, um, you know, started off on an 18 foot Boston whaler, no trolling motor, no power pole, had no clue what I was doing. No one would tell me where the fish were. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I kind of had to, to learn it myself for, for a couple years and, um, just got, you know, really hooked. And I, I was for the longest time. I mean, the, really the only fish I could catch was trout because I, at least then I could, anchor up at a creek mouth yeah. and, and just, you know, throw us off plastics and get lucky every now and again. But red fishing at the time was a little bit out of the question just because unless I was dock fishing, it was, it's kind of hard to catch um, red fish unless you're on the jetty or something sure. like that. Um, so, it you know, it took a long time to kind of get the hang of it around here. But, um, you know, I've become so addicted to it now that it's, it's really kind of I mean, I still love surfing, and I get to try and go whenever it's good, but it's definitely become the main passion of my life.
0: Definitely. I've seen that, too. It's, it's crazy how it, how it gets you. It's like you—I feel like I didn't have anything like you did growing up that I was super passionate about and really good at, like that I put a bunch of time into. I mean, I liked hunting, and I liked fishing, but but as soon as my thing came, like as soon as I realized how much I loved fishing— it's like it's so hard to stop thinking about it. and You want to push yourself and learn more and more about it, and like become a better angler, become a better surfer, become a better whatever it is. Um, and and that that pat—it's like an addiction and a sickness to like just keep you going.
2: Uh, yeah, for sure.
0: But no yeah, that's uh that's funny. Like it's like everyone starts with it's crazy how much what you're fishing off of plays into your opportunity for success. Not that you can't catch fish on you know a a boston whaler with no trolling motor or power pole but when you have uh, something that's a little more like constructed for the craft it's crazy how much more effective like just like with the duck hunting this weekend like Mm. we want to kill ducks here in north carolina we finally bought a layout boat and it's like it's it's the niche that we needed to be productive like we had the skill set but we needed some tools maybe i'm going too deep into this but we needed some tools to like Effectively pursue what we wanted to do in, in, in an effective way.
2: Yeah, and I, I mean, I also think that you, for um, an activity like fishing, there's just so much to learn, and there's so many different species you can target. Like, it's an endless amount of knowledge that you can take in, and just the the fact that there's always something to learn is what's really really addicting about it. Yeah, because I mean, for sure. You can think that you got redfish down, but then you know, you have a
0: bad year and you're like, Man, there's a lot more I need to learn. Yeah, yeah. seriously, definitely 100%. Definitely, it's it's uh, as soon as you feel like you've got it all down, that's when, you, like, that's when you're about to realize you don't. You know, it's you're like, Oh man, I can always go out and catch redfish, and then you go like three days straight and you don't even see a redfish. That's you're that, like, that uh, love
1: hate relationship, yeah, with, with for fishing sure. You're you know, you, you get really angry, and you, you know, but. You love it at the same time.
0: You yeah. get frustrated oh, yeah.
1: with it, but it's
0: what drives you to keep fishing. For sure, for sure. It's uh, Yeah, I think some people, it kind of just beats them down and they give up on it. But other people, it fires them up and, and gets, gives them the drive it oh, Yeah,
2: there's no doubt. I've had, especially when I was first learning how to fish, I, I mean, I would go weeks without catching the desired species and I'd be like, I need to just find something else because this is <laughs> way it. too hard.
1: I got <laughs> humbled. I got humble when I first started learning how to fish from yeah. right here. Oh, for sure. Humble. Yeah, and I I was I, pulling around a, a you probably remember yeah, shots yeah. and I was pulling around a Boston whale backwards with a metal push pole trying to try find red fish. Just because I knew that's how the you know, the old Ben fishing guides used to do it. So I was yeah. like, shit, I guess they can do it and I can do it too. So.
2: Yeah, my in my big turning point was for fishing, um, at least like backwater stuff was um, I was like, man, I need, I need to at least, cause no one would tell me where, how to do it.
1: Yeah. Cause they're like,
2: right. so you know, everyone's so secretive and I was like, well, I'm going to just hire a guide because this is like two years in and I'm like, I, I just need to figure out like at least how it's done. Right. Yeah. Um, and I booked Seth uh-huh. and he took me for the first time and like, you know, we, that's what really got me. It like at, filled
0: at, in the missing pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. Like, yeah this yeah, is, this sure. is how it works.
2: Um, so yeah that that was kind of what sparked the whole
0: that's that's essential I
1: mean you have somebody like that being able to kind of just you know teach you how to find fish, teach you what to look for yeah i mean that's mm-hmm. that's gonna save you years years So you yeah, know, yeah. go out with somebody like you or I or Judson especially I mean, it's it's gonna you're gonna get on some fish, you're gonna learn a ton even if you don't and you're going to get out there. It's going
0: to be. For sure. You know, it's it's it's, it's it's crazy how much water is out there and how much water is dead water. It looks good, but you, you've got to start to learn that spots are, and, and the guys that record the Salt Strong podcast, I hear them say this all the time, but I, I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but it's like spots are stagnant. Fish are not or something like that. But, but like spots don't move. Fish move. But you've got to look for these. Remember the trends and learn the trends of like, the time of year, the weather patterns, why the fish are there, where's the bait, like all this stuff that plays into why these fish are there. And here, I, th- I feel like in North Carolina, fish are pretty much, you know, they're pretty much creatures of habit. Like if they're in a spot, if you find them in a spot one time, red this is redfish, trout, flounder, any of these inshore fish that we have. If you really pay attention to what's going on there, if you can remember the time of year remember the weather patterns remember the tide and go back there you're probably gonna maybe not every time but i'd say 75 percent of the time at least find a couple fish.
2: yeah well i mean your chances are a lot better for sure yeah um
0: yeah you're spot on on that for sure all right so as weekend warriors and i'm not such a lame term to use but it it kind of just describes you know someone that 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 hits it hard when they get the opportunity to go fish as weekend warriors, how often do y'all get to fish? I know Jeff, you get to fish a little bit more than Cameron, but let's kind of dive into that and 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 uh, and talk about that for a second. Cameron, why don't you hit it? I mean, you're the,
1: you're the true weekend
0: warrior. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could say that. I guess um, that's kind of a dumb question because it's
2: like, duh, I get to fish on the weekends. Well, I mean, I, I would say it, dep- it, it depends on the type of uh, the time of year. Um, I would say mostly, yeah. I I'm only able to fish on the weekends, but in the summer when the days are really long, you know, uh, you can definitely get out there in the afternoon and sling a top water around for a couple hours before the sun goes down. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, sometimes in the winter when right at the time change, when you get some, uh, some light mornings, um, when it gets light pretty early, yeah, you can get, go out and, you know, try and catch some trout before work. But, yeah, unfortunately, my work schedule is fairly stringent, where I uh, you know have to be there at a certain time and can leave at a certain time. So, um, yeah, I would I would say definitely season dependent, but m- most of the time just on the weekends. Cool. And Jeff, you're
0: kind of like the the new and improved weekend warrior.
1: Yeah. You you, could say you that. got
0: the millennial That's job sure. where you kind of get to work from home and you get a little bit more time and your flexibility. Millennial job. It's just a, a job where you work from home,
1: right, right? but,
0: but a sweet job at that. And it gives you the flexibility to, um, to make money by just lying about your hours and go fish. You, right? <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> I wish,
1: I wish. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're spot on. Um, I, I do have a little bit of a flexible schedule. Um, I'm a, a, programmer you know it's my my day job for sure so um I'm able to kind of log my hours when when I see that the the fishing opportunities present themselves which is which is very very nice and very fortunate for that and um for the most part I I I do fish on the weekends mostly but yeah I mean when when the weather is right I I get to sneak out there for sure which I'm excited
0: about well that's kind of like a cool uh difference between the two of y'all's uh ability of fishing like you get to Pick the nice weather days to go out there and fish, um, and, and Cameron, you kind of are, are locked into um, having to go at, at the time opportunities where you have those windows to go, and so you know it's it's almost unfair that me and Jeff can kind of go when the weather's right, but but it, it, I would say it, it drives you to become a better angler and learn to fish in more conditions when you're when you're forced to fish during these certain windows.
2: Yeah, um, I I don't know if I would say that it. I would be, I'm a better angler because of it. But yeah, I mean, I think you definitely learn how to um, find locations that are a little more protected from whatever uh, the weather's throwing at you. Um, You know, only getting to fish a couple of days a week, definitely uh, I can say I've fished on some pretty shitty days. (laughs) Um, You know, and that's when you you know pull up in google maps and you say okay which way is the wind coming uh which banks are going to be protected from the wind it, you know if you it, it depends on what type of fishing you're doing you know if you're trying to pull a boat around um then you definitely want wind protection um but you know for trout fishing and things of that nature it, it's not that important um i mean it definitely has some importance but not not that important um, cause you, you, you don't want so much wind in your line that you can't feel a bite. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I would agree. It makes you, it makes you think about your destinations for sure about, you know, where you want to fish. So, um, it's, it's challenging, but it, it definitely helps you become a better angler for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta learn to work with what you got and, as much as we'd all like to be going out there and, and fishing super clear water on a bright, sunshiny day, it's not gonna happen, you know, 56, you know, there's, there's only 56 weeks or however many weeks there are. You, you only get 53 days or however many days you're gonna be able to fish out of the year. So, I mean, you gotta work with what you got. and You, you can't always sight fish, so you, you gotta be willing to put down the fly rod and cover some ground with a top water plug or, or just blind cast and then you got
2: to work with what you got. Yeah, no, and I think I think that's a good point because I also think you have to be really open-minded um, about not being so focused on like, okay, you know, this weekend I'm side fishing redfish. Yeah. Uh, because if it's super windy or cloudy or rainy, you know, good luck because... If it is super cloudy or windy or rainy, you might want to think of a different game plan um, and be open to you know fishing for something else. Uh, kind and, of fishing it, in the river. Yeah. <laughs> kind of the river. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, I like to do a lot of uh, the preparation before the weekends. Yeah. Generally, um, you know, I'll start checking the the weather on like a Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, and just keep an eye on it and try and have a game plan for for what to do on Saturday and Sunday. And um, just, you know, because I think preparation helps a ton. A hundred percent. With, with yeah. uh, you know, catching fish and um, the weather obviously plays a big factor in that. So
0: It does for sure. I would say all three of us, you know, when we really got into it, we're, we were pretty dead set on like wanting to sight fish redfish like that was all I wanted to do at first I think that's all you really wanted to do at yeah. first Jeff and we're you too Cameron it yeah. was like oh yeah we kind of learned oh shoot there's some pretty clean water around here and even the areas where it's dirty these fish get really shallow and so like so much of our drive and efforts early on were um, as we really pursued fishing as like our main hobby or our career for myself or like um, you know just what we wanted to do on our time off it was redfishing it was always focused around redfishing and for a while i think that was that was great it it drove me to become a better you know sight fisherman um drove me to become a better um you know shallow water angler but as time progressed it was like okay like this isn't you can't always do this this isn't always effective like i got to figure out some other other Mm -hmm. styles of fishing some other ways to fish some other ways to be effective with clients and and just if i want to go on the weekend i don't want to be pissed every saturday when i get off the water and the weather was blowing 25 and i didn't see a redfish so um how does that kind of play into y'all's y'all's times that y'all get to fish as far as, um, you know, not always getting to sight fish and how is that kind of, how is that like birth, like some new styles of fishing that you'd like to do? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm pretty much
2: open to fishing for anything. Um, you know, all, you're for- just fishing for a good time. <laughs> yeah. All, all forms of fishing are pretty fun to me as long as you have, you know, the right, uh, the right gear for the fish. Um, but, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not opposed to fishing the jetty. I'm not opposed to second bait. I'm not opposed to spin fishing over fly fishing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all really fun to me. Um, and I think, you know, it's, you just have to be open-minded, like I said before. Um, and if something doesn't permit you to do what you want to do, just try something else. Try something new. You know, if it's, if it's really, really windy, uh, let's go bass fish. Yeah. You know, um, let's learn something new. For sure.
1: 100% agree. I mean, I, I've always been super keen in on, on red fishing. And, and honestly, this year was probably one of the the first years that I've really kind of opened up my eyes to, to trout fishing. And just, you know, during those crappier weather days it's it's nice to be able to go fish for something else that you don't have to rely on good light and and good wind and you can just go out there and fish some different areas and and catch some really nice fun fish yeah for sure so it's uh you just got to learn to kind of open up your eyes and and be willing to to take what's given to you
0: yeah and i feel like a lot of times here like those nastier days too are are a lot of times the better days to be trout fishing that's just bite harder like before those fronts and the wind and the rain um and one thing I always share with clients, too, and with other people is, like, I honestly get kind of frustrated with, like, the diehard fly client. Like, I, I appreciate it. I think it's cool, like, you're 100% like I'm a fly guy. But at the same time, I think you're cutting yourself, like, you're shooting yourself in the foot because you can learn so much from so many different types of fishing. Like, Absolutely. you can you can apply different different principles and different techniques and tactics um, across the board. And the more I've opened up my fishing uh, vocabulary, if you will, I don't, that doesn't even really make sense. But the more I've opened up my fishing uh, perspective, the more it's helped with my red fishing, with my trout fishing, with you know trout fishing up in the mountains. Is to like I went steelhead fishing the other weekend, and the whole time we were steelhead fishing, the tactics we were using to get these like perfect drifts and stuff with bait casters and fly rods. I'm like, dang, you could do this with trout fishing um, on, on different rips and whatnot and be really effective. And so it's just cool to see how it how it kind of all plays plays a part so uh, i think that's a that's a really good perspective um wh- what are the main fish that 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 y'all target here i, I believe it's the same as myself go into that just a little bit like if you've got got a saturday and the weather's kind of perfect for anything what are what are you going to do if you're inshore fishing
2: yeah so um you know redfish and trout are probably my top two um but then i also think it depends on the season yeah um because i'm i love catching fall um, they're probably on a fly rod. They're probably one of my favorite fish to catch. I'm, I like to call them deep water bone fish.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't
2: heard that before. I like, that. um, cause they, they get you into your backing really quickly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would say it depends on the season because, you know, summer, I'm usually focusing on redfish, uh, fall, I'm usually focusing on trout. And when it gets into the winter, I'm kind of do, doing a little bit of trout and redfish. Yeah. Um, and then in the spring, I'm mostly focusing on redfish. Uh, I guess that covers all the
0: seasons. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I,
1: mean, I mean, definitely. Yeah. What, what was the question again here?
0: Kind of the different fish that you prefer to target around here in North Carolina.
1: Yeah, so definitely depending upon the seasons, I mean, there's, there's a lot of opportunities here, believe it or not. I mean, it's not just... Redfish and trout and flounder. Yeah. There's, there's a ton of opportunities from, you know, you got your albacore, you've got your jacks, you've got your big bull redfish that come during your different seasons, you get your occasional tarpon. I've heard of a couple bonefish here and there. Yeah, uh-huh. some snook recently <laughs> being caught. Yeah, 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 I heard I about that. that. Yeah. Who was that? That was up in. Cape Lookout or something? Cape like
0: Lookout, the uh, Bounty Hunter Guide Service, I think, call mm-hmm. one. And I always yeah. see, like, Ricky Kellum up in the New River trout fishing. He, like, he seems to catch one or two small snook every year yeah. or small tarpon. So tarp. we do
1: you get some of the sneaky some, little, some little fish. Some lost fish, yeah.
0: That'll probably die with our cold winters. And hey, one fish I'd like to add to the list that
2: I um, actually really enjoyed catching this year. And, and speaking of, like, bad weather days the perfect fish to go out and catch if it's really windy is sheep's head. Yeah, that's I mean, if Absolutely. it's like blowing 30 and you're like, oh man, what am I going to do today? And you're like, I really want to fish, but... I just, you know, I don't want to go pull around or, you know, I don't even know if my trolling motor would get me around in 30 miles per right. hour winds. I, I love I mean,
1: catching
2: sheep's head, catching sheep. sheep's head is like the perfect, uh, you know, activity to do on days like that. And I really kind of fell in love with that. Because at first, it, at first I was like, man, I don't want to go fish structure. Like, that's so boring. Yeah, And then... I like started catching them, and I was like, "Holy crap, this yeah. is pretty fun!"
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I got into set fishing maybe you know just a couple of years ago, and and they're a blast. They're a absolute blast. You, yeah, you you, you fishing with a little crab, and and you're trying to fight them away from that structure, which is super fun and. And they're like strong. Said, yeah, they're like uh, they're, they're like a little
0: shallow water grouper. Yeah, you know? yeah, like,
1: and very strong.
2: Yeah, and it, I mean, you can be fishing for sheep's head, and you know, you always, always you see. always have the chance to catch the unexpected as well. You know, yeah, redfish I've, generally hang around and black drum. Yeah, we always see
1: them. You know, in the summertime when we're looking for tailors up in the grass, we'll see our occasional sheep's head. And yeah, you know that that fish that always just somehow denies you. You, you get the perfect presentation on a sheep's head, yeah. and there's just like. They, they call them the Cajun permit for a reason. They're Yeah, tough fish to sight fish for sure.
0: Except for in Louisiana, that's the, only, <laughs> that's the only place where they're so dumb. Catch them on chatter baits, catch them on bass jigs, anything. But here, yeah, they're they are the they're the North Carolina permit really. Yeah,
1: yeah, they're they're an absolute fun fish.
0: But then, yeah, you go fish that structure and you get to beat up on it a little bit and give it yeah. back to them. So mm-hmm. it uh, it pays off. Another another fish that, that we target here to get like we've kind of started doing this a lot together the past three or four years is the the shallow water like shark fishing. Oh, Which is super fun, yeah. yeah. With chumming and getting on the sandbars and stuff. Like,
1: we have excellent uh, shark fishing yeah. opportunities. I mean, between the the shrimp boats that we can get behind sometimes, and and you know the the fresh water entries into the into the saltwater, those areas can really concentrate some sharks, like the mouth of the rivers and stuff. And yeah. it's it can be really good. It's, For sure, it's a lot of fun. Lot and of you
0: fun. stumble into some other crazy stuff when you're shark fishing too. Yeah, seeing some tarpon or seeing mm-hmm. some big bull redfish in shallow water. Like, right, right. I think that's kind of maybe the first point. I wasn't even thinking about having points on this podcast but as being a, a weekend warrior is like open your horizons. Like think about all the fish we have here. Learn how to target multiple different fish so if plan A doesn't work, plan B works. If plan B doesn't work, plan C works. Like being able to, to bounce from one thing to the other. Be prepared for everything when you're out on the water. Especially in the summer. There's so much stuff that will pop up for you. And don't just fish one area. You know, like... Yeah, mm-hmm. you know,
1: I was going to mention that. It's like... You, you get caught up on, on only having, you know, a day or two during the week, and you, you find a good spot, you find a good area that is holding fish, and you, you want to go back to that area. Yeah. But there's there's other opportunities out there, and it's going to prevent you from, you know, seeing that. So, you know, go catch your one or two fish where you know they are, and then move on and, and go try and some, find something new.
0: Yeah, know? for sure. Just
1: explore and just keep moving. and
2: Yeah, I think it, I, I, I've... Uh, I think you'll surprise yourself if you're if you try some different types of fish because there there is plenty of fish that I never really thought that I would target that once I started targeting them yeah I got really addicted to targeting <laughs> them <laughs> yeah. What are some of those fish you're talking about Well I mean sheephead for one yeah. is probably number 1 on that list and Trout for um me. yeah it used to be so hard to convince you to go trout fishing. Now, now you're yeah. going on your own. Now it's, I'm proud of you. <laughs> now he's now all in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, sharks would be yeah. another one. I mean, you know. For sure. Sharks
1: definitely a big one because it's one of those things like if you're not targeting and you see one, you're just like, oh, yeah, whatever, shark. But then you kind of get that mindset of, oh, sharks are actually really fun to catch. Yeah. I you mean, can kind of start to target them and it's, they're a really fun time.
2: Yeah. If yeah. you want to break a fly
0: rod, go try and catch a shark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Jeff broke two the other day.
1: Yeah, we did. And
0: there's so many ways to target sharks. I mean, you can get in these shallow sandbars like inlets and river mouths. Like the Cape Fear River mouth is a great place for it. But also like shrimp trawlers. And I used to like go behind a shrimp trawler and be like, oh, I see all these videos of people catching fish behind shrimp trawlers. But every time I go, I don't see sharks. But you've got to wait until they call the bait. So they, they'll pull the nets. And then they'll dump everything out on, on this table in the back of the boat. And then they'll keep the shrimp. And then they'll start throwing at, or pushing off all the crap and, and you'll see the feeding sharks frenzy. Yeah, feeding frenzy i mean how many sharks were on that shrimp boat the other day when we were catching hundreds hundreds of them and all like like 60 to 150 pound sharks and it's
1: crazy because the sharks would literally push the sharks up out of the water there was, there you were so walked many on of them, them. yeah, and when, yeah. They were, when they were dumping the bait because they you know put all the bait in one big pile and they dump them at once So all the sharks were going for a pretty concentrated pile of that
0: bait.
1: So they were all chasing it and pushing the sharks out of the water so you could literally see these sharks that were just like belly crawling out of the water on top of one another. I mean, it was...
0: Stupid. It reminds me of like as a kid, I'm sure everybody's been to the like to a marina or something where they have you feed the catfish. Right. And you like throw some pebbles in there, it's like a hundred catfish like crawling over <laughs> yeah. top. That's like what the sharks You mean, could like literally take are. a lure in your hand and throw it into one of their yeah. mouths. <laughs> you could yeah. probably just lip one right yeah, there. You yeah. go so crazy. I wouldn't recommend that with the sharks, but. Um, with a catfish, maybe, but yeah, it's. It, I think just just opening your horizons and 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 trying new things, trying new places, and that's another. That's kind of a great segue into like, I call it like you know you know taking care of your fish or protecting your fish, especially with redfish. Maybe not so much as trout, but with redfish for sure. Like it, you can beat your fish up too hard, you know. Like you, 100%. you, we get these fish in these schools, especially this time of year, mm-hmm. and if you go in there too much, they get really smart and really spooky and, um, you know, they, it, it's hard to get them to eat and so like, let's talk a little bit about maybe your, the way that you kind of target target redfish in a school philosophy. this time of Philosophy. Your philosophy, your redfishing philosophy.
2: Um, yeah. Uh, I, I think for redfish, I really try not to beat them up too much just because, you know, I want, when I, If I come back to that spot, one, I want them to be there, and two, I want them to eat. Yeah. Um, And I would say, as a rule of thumb for myself, and I'm sure it varies for everybody, but if there's a really big school of redfish somewhere, I try and catch, you know, if they're really chewing, maybe five, if there's like a school of 100, 150 fish, if I catch five, I try and move on yeah and try and explore some new water or move on to the next group because I, I mean I've seen it firsthand if um, if there's a big school and a bunch of people know about them you know they're getting hit every day sometimes multiple times uh, sometimes a day. multiple times a day they get smart and and either they'll stop eating or they'll just completely move on and you you won't see them again yeah
1: especially this this shallow you know, clear water redfish. That Definitely. That, n- maybe you don't even feed one. You're just, you're just you know, pounding them. They're on lures at them. That's pressuring the shit out of them. Boats yeah. running over top of them, pressuring the shit out of them. And, and that alone will, will definitely, you know, beat up fish. So, just, Catching them is, is, yeah, a big a factor in it, but just kind of being being on top of them, spooking the fish. I mean, you spook a, a group of fish a couple of times, it's it's definitely going to affect them.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, sure. yeah. and I, I also try um, to, like, it, if I'm in a spot where there's a big school of redfish and say we've caught in a few and it's time to leave, I really try not to, like, put my motor in and just motor right. out of there. Right. I, I really try and, yeah, I really try and, like, you know, at least get a hundred yards away from them, um, pulling or trolling, using a trolling motor. Yeah, I don't but know. yeah, before I really like start gunning it, just, just because you know, if there's other people fishing
0: them, I want them to catch fish too. You know, and um, not just for myself. Yeah. It's like the the littlest amount of interaction you can have with that school of fish the best. It's mm-hmm. like if it, if all they see is you know a lure coming in and then you know a fish eating it and getting taken away that's not a big deal. But every time you bump those fish with your boat, every time they they jolt or shock and swim off, like you're educating those fish. You're making yeah. them harder to, for yourself to catch, harder for other people to catch. So being being smart about that and and especially not like uh, you don't see it as much here, but down in, like Louisiana and Texas and stuff, people burning flats like to wake fish around and then go target them. You do see it down in the bays sometimes. And it, it's tough to, to be, excuse me, it's tough to be like an ethical, you know, red fisherman at times because especially in the winter when there might be like five schools of fish on our little stretch of coastline, um, you know, and, and making yourself pull out of there and leave, especially from a guiding perspective too. Like, When your clients are are catching fish, it's, but, but I think when you can share that with other people and share that with people, with your clients and they kind of understand it too, and, and you can kind of get everybody on board, but, but I, I, I I have struggled before, like when I'm pounding, like a good school of fish and they're munching, like it's hard to leave. Sometimes you're like, oh, let's get, you know, two or three more. We got to do this. You got to, you got to have that
1: mindset of if you're going to do it, probably other people are too. Yeah,
0: for sure. You're probably going to be the one that pounds on the least, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So. It's uh, it's important to to be able to understand when uh, enough is enough. Numbers, like especially, I struggle with it with the trout fishing. I think a lot of people do. It's like all about killing your limit every day and and like you know catching a ton of fish. But with the redfish, it's cool to like at least here in North Carolina because at this time of year, interact with them. You know, catch two or three and then move on. Like we were saying, so yeah,
1: Yeah. that's tough as a weekend warrior. Yeah, you you want to you want to catch your fish and, and a lot of times you, you only find one or two schools and, yeah. and you want to just, you know, catch your fish and have a good time. But, you know, as you know, only having a couple of days of fish, you got to be willing to kind of explore and just, you know,
0: yeah. venture out. Yeah. You got to save a few for the next weekend. Yeah, so. exactly. Definitely. <laughs> exactly. Definitely. Yeah. Um, well, w- let's talk about network, like a fishing network and a, a network of anglers that you talk with. Um, I, I think this is one of the most important parts of being an effective fisherman um, is you can't see it all every day yourself. You can't check every spot. Um, and you and I are us three have a really good network together as far as staying on top of things and sharing information. And it's like a fine line of like, you don't want too big of a network. Um, and, and because then it's like, there's too much information being shared around, but you want, you want a good network of people where you're going to share equal information so let's, let's talk kind of talk about y'all's opinions of a network and how that plays into um your success on the water
1: yeah i mean it's it's give and take so so you gotta if you're gonna take some you gotta be willing to get some yeah so you know you gotta you gotta share information and you'll get some information back and and that's it's you know really really essential for for people who only get a couple times to fish but um you know it's, it's kind of tough because yeah. you, you don't want to share your spots, for but sure. at the same time you got to communicate with your buddies, and and it's it's definitely makes a big difference because you're you know, you can't you can only cover so much ground like you said, so yeah. it's uh it's important to have a network for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think um, it's fairly easy for me just because the older I've gotten, the less people I fish with. And not by choice, really, just because, you know, people get burnt out or just uninterested. And um, So now I really only have, you know, two or three people that I fish with a lot. And um, that's kind of made it easy for me with, like, sharing information and networking. I don't really ever feel like, oh, man, like, I'm worried about telling this person about, yeah. you know, where fish are because they're going to tell Twenty other people, you know, you definitely don't want. I mean, in my opinion, uh, I would say especially for redfish, you probably don't want to tell someone that you think is going to tell like twenty people because right. you know no one likes pulling up to their spot and seeing you know three boats fishing your spot or for sure. whatever. Sucks. But um, you know, I mean, it's 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 extremely helpful uh, because. Like Jeff said, you know, if you can't be on the water all the time and you have, um, you know, friends that are able to get on the water when you're not, it's, it makes your life a little bit easier. Um, and, you know, I said before that when I first started fishing, uh, you know, I knew a couple guys that fished a decent amount and I hadn't caught a redfish, you know. <laughs> I think I focused on them for like a year, probably didn't catch one. And I was like, guys, you gotta help me out. Like, where can I catch a redfish? And they were like, man, I'm sorry, you know, I can't tell you. And now that I've gotten really into fishing, and uh, they've, a couple of them have been like, hey, man. We've been catching those fish, and I'm like, "Can't help you out, man." So the yeah. <laughs> right. same guys, same so same guys. guys yeah. We've been catching those fish, yeah. Uh, well, you know, I think, uh, you know, somewhere up in,
0: you know, the New River. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Never fished there. <laughs> yeah, I've never, yeah, I've never fished there. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it. I, one thing that I was just kind of thinking about this as we were talking, but. It, it's a lot of people listen to this and be like, okay, that's easier said than done. Like, all right, I need a network of people that are going to share information with me that I can share information with, but with social media and other things like that. Now it's easy to find other people to fish with. True. And I would say like, you kind of got to look for people that are in the same boat as you, like almost no pun intended. Um, but you know, if you're someone that, that doesn't have a boat and you're targeting fish from the bank and fishing the surf and fishing, you know, at night and bridges and dock lights and all that kind of stuff, Look for other people that might be in that same boat. Because, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. if you go to somebody that's fishing on their boat all the time that, that, that's maybe fishing a different style, they're not going to be like, all right, I'm not going to tell you where the fish are. But if there's someone that you can fish with and you can, you know, fish kind of at the same level or the same style, I feel like you're more beneficial to each other. Right. you got to find someone that's kind of at that yeah. same same level as you, not as like good or bad level, but just does the same style of fishing. Right. It um,
1: goes back to that kind of give and take. But yeah. Somebody that you can find that will, will give and take. For, but sure. To, For to sure.
2: To add to that as well, I think if, if you were really into something, like if you were really addicted to fishing and you're doing it all the time, whether it's by yourself or with somebody else. You're eventually going to meet people right. that fish all the time, or, or as much as you do. Yeah, and I mean that's how I met both of you guys. Yeah. Is just f- from my love of fishing. And um, honestly,
1: I mean, it's the most rewarding when you figure it out on your own. So I mean, at the time, you were probably pretty pissed when your friends said, "Hey, you got, so you're on your own, buddy." But, <laughs> but after you kind of put that year's time in and finally found, oh some no, fish for on sure, own, you yeah. The steps, the steps. Yeah.
2: yeah. And I mean, there were so many times I, I just wanted to throw my rod in the water and give it up. But, you know, it's like anything, the more you, the harder you work at it and you eventually get it, the more rewarding it is. Yeah,
0: I would agree a hundred percent. Having that network is just, it's so key. And I, I, I like to have, I kind of have a few different networks. I got a couple guides I talk with and you got, you can't take. If you've got this network, say you kind of network with this one guy and you network with this one guy, but those guys aren't buddies. You can't be sitting there like passing their information back and forth. you got to be respectful of, of you know, who you're talking with and, and who you're sharing that information with. Um, and that, that's just a huge part of it. Like so many times y'all have helped me out. I've been out guiding and like especially during trout season, I'm like hitting a, a couple banks that, that I caught fish on and I'm struggling. And I'll text Cameron or Jeff and be like, hey, I saw you. Where did you catch fish yesterday? I wasn't on the water. Or I was down south. or I was up north. You're like, oh, try this bank at this time. You know, you go in there and it, and it pays off. And and then you just keep keep track of when someone helps you with something so you can throw them a bone too. Um, I think the more effective fishermen we have, more people out there catching fish and, and caring about our resource, the, the better chance we have at like being a voice for conservation in our area. And I think that's sure. what it all boils down to. You yeah. know, the better we are at conserving our resource, the less you're going to have to get help from others to find fish. It's just going to be, you know, there'll be more fish here. But I don't. That's a whole another podcast topic that us three could dive into for a long time. So maybe we'll do it sometime. But let's talk about how did you start finding fish? What were some of the kind of the things that started clicking? Let's talk about redfish and then trout. And none of us are like big flounder fishermen, so we're going to kind of leave that out of this. But how how did you start finding fish, Jeff? Like we'll start with you. Um, you know, you get out there. There's tons of water around, and you're like, oh man, this is awesome. And you start pulling around or start trolling it around. And you're like. Where the heck are the fish? What were the things that clicked for you to get you kind of rolling into being successful?
1: Finding whether or not. Covering covering ground. Yeah. Covering tons and tons of ground, however you can do that, depending upon what kind of boat you're in. Trolling motor is great. Pulling around is not the most effective, but... Can be really good if you're if you kind of know there might be some fish in the area and you can kind of approach them and get a good shot off on them.
0: Yeah, polling is not great for searching. It's it really good for doesn't. like if you know they're there and you can slowly and yeah. quietly be on them and then I mean, fish to them. But
1: yeah, it, it's 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 really just kind of covering ground and, and working with what you got. You can you can only sight fish and look for fish on, on a certain amount of days. So you know, take those when you can get them and and search and cover lots
0: of ground when you got that clear water and good sun. How fast do you work through an area typically? Like if you're looking for fish.
1: A pretty, pretty good. I mean a lot of times I'll, I'll – I don't really love to do it, but a, a lot of times I'll kind of just slow idle and I'll have yeah. somebody be up on the bow and say, hey, I, I, you know, let's look for fish in this area. If we bump one, we'll immediately kill the motor and, and start pulling. And yeah. We'll really work it mm-hmm. slow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, covering ground is, is, is essential. You yeah, know, for man. sure. Just start up, up one island of the marsh and, and work towards the end of it. It yeah. might take a couple of days. I think but at so least many. You're going to know that area and you're going to know where the fish are.
0: Yeah, I think some many people get suckered into picking apart a, a spot that looks really good. You know, you're, you're going to a new area and you're like just really fishing it hard. But I'm more of like a kind of a power fisherman, I feel like, or, or tried to be. Like, get in an area look at it real quick. If it, I'm trying to get to the most productive area for my amount of time. Sometimes it, mm-hmm. it sucks. sometimes it, you mm-hmm. know I, I, mm-hmm. I mess up by doing that, but other times it pays off. like maybe working through an area quicker than you're already working through an area could be beneficial for some of these weekend warriors listening. Like if you know there's fish there, fish it slowly. but if you're if you're trying to just cover ground, and get and, and locate good numbers of redfish or trout, you know, hit a spot pretty quick and move on. Like look for those aggressive fish on for trout, look for those quick bites and then pick it apart. Or with the redfish, kind of move through there until you bump into a school and, and sit back and pick them apart. Yeah.
1: So. I, I think also give like some, some reasoning behind it. You know, I'm to yeah. fish a certain spot because of a certain reason. Yeah. And then you kind of make those connections. Yeah. Yeah. So you you know, scout some areas on Google Maps before and say, oh, this spot looks really good because it's this deep water that meets a bunch of small feeder creeks and kind of enters this deeper creek that runs a good area and there could be a school sitting in there. Yeah. So you find areas like that and you go kind of just cover that ground and, and most likely you're it's gonna pay off if you do that enough it's gonna it's gonna pay off for
0: sure.
2: What yeah. about you, Cameron? Um. Yeah. I mean, it definitely depends on what type of fish you're going for. I just think I think yeah, trout was really the first um, fish that I was successful at, and I think that's because I kind of understood uh, mountain trout. Yeah, And I really think, you know, people might say I'm crazy, but I really do think you kind of have to look for the same things. Yeah, definitely. Um, which is, you know, creeks dumping out into bigger creeks where there's a big eddy and there's kind of water swirling or you know a little bit of rapids going on just kind of water movement um and and generally if you if you hit enough of those spots during uh the time of year when trout are really uh chewing you know your 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 chances of catching them should be pretty good definitely um and for redfish you, you know not that much different from from Jeff um i think you just you know, I like fishing redfish in the backwaters the most, um, so I mean, the last thing I want to do is waste a lot of time just, you know, pulling around in a spot and for hours and hours and never seeing a fish, so I do like to cover ground a little bit quickly when I'm looking for redfish. Um, Google Maps definitely helps, uh, especially for low tide spots, I would say, because you know, any spot in the marsh that has like a deep hole uh, on a low tide where the fish have to filter out of really shallow water mm-hmm. as the tide's coming out and push into, you know, spots where they still have water, you know, yeah. chances of a redfish being there are better than, you know, you just kind of going around blindly. For sure. For sure. Um, so, and, and, you know, and then, but it also depends on the season again, you know, because, there are certain times of year where redfish are really schooled up, and there are certain times of year where they're really spread out. And, you know, if it's summertime, I really like to focus areas and have a lot of, you know, shallower water with oyster beds and just kind of throw a search bait like a topwater. water. Um, and then in the spring and the winter, you know, kind of looking for uh, more flats, kind of sand flats and... Uh, and, and then again, those deeper holes, uh, on a low tide and clear water, because yeah. that's generally when they're more schooled up for sure.
0: Well, that brings up another great kind of, uh, talking point here. And that is like, what exactly are you looking for when targeting fish inshore? that's, that's redfish and trout. Like what, what do you, um, you know, what trends and what, what t- types of water and marsh and oyster bars and that kind of stuff, what do you look for when you're out there, um, to to make your your fish locating and catching maybe a little bit easier?
2: I think for... I touched on this a little bit earlier, uh, but for trout, for sure, I mean, if it's an outgoing tide, I like to fish creek mouths that are dumping out. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, generally... Uh, yeah, I, I imagine trout just sitting, you know, at a creek mouth, just waiting for bait to be dumped out, you know, because, you know, bait's moving with the tide. Um, and you know, anywhere that there's like moving water, um, eddies, anything like that, you know, I just, I I imagine trout are just kind of sitting there waiting for bait to come by for them to ambush. Yeah. Um, in, 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 like, you know, sharp corners, Anything like that, where a trout can kind of hide behind, uh-huh. and then as bait kind of gets pushed past, they can you know ambush that uh, that bait that's swimming by. That's kind of what I look for as well. Um, and for redfish, I mean it, it. It definitely depends on the type of year or the time of year. Um, in the summer, I, I really like big bays with a lot of oyster beds um, and kind of big you know mud flats. <laughs> And uh, in the winter and in the spring, I like more sandy bottoms, uh, clear water, um, because, you know, you're not going to generally you're not going to get the one off redfish just blind casting. Um, It's definitely more productive if you can find a big school of them Um, and you're not going to easily find a big school of them um, usually. But when you do, it's definitely easier to find them when it's clear water. Yeah. Definitely, and I'll also add. In the winter, um, I definitely like to look for them in the surf. Yeah, um, because you can find some really big schools in the surf every, every now and again. Yeah, um, and when you do, it's it's a good time.
0: Another thing too, I'm excited about this winter is is the nearshore wreck fishing for redfish. Like mm-hmm. I've never done it, but I, I, I've I've become good buddies with a guy that that's like, dude, I had great success on redfish all winter fishing bait on the near shore wrecks like mm-hmm. a lot of our fish pull out of the inlets sit in the beach and i think they just trade between the surf on the like up against the beach and those near shore wrecks mm-hmm. and sometimes they'll slide into the creeks and they're they're moving a lot they're they're mm-hmm. jumping from spot yeah. to spot going and finding that bait and um you can also still catch big black drum and bull redfish that time of year on the wrecks in the winter time so um don't think cuz it's cold and and nasty out that those redfish aren't still going to eat sometimes I'd say the winter are some of our best days number wise on redfish. Sometimes you know you find a good happy school or two or three, and and th- they'll eat pretty well. What about yeah. you, Jeff?
1: Yeah, I mean I, I think seasonally it plays a big factor. So starting off kind of in the winter where we are now, it's it's you, there are bigger schools of fish, and, and I really like to look look for those fish during low tide. Yeah. Um, mainly just because there's a lot less water. Yeah, so, a lot less mm-hmm. places for them so to be. I'm a I'm a big guy on I'm covering lots of ground. So. Less water, less ground you got to cover. Yeah, you know you can find those fish more concentrated as they're kind of filtering into those deeper sections where they can be during those lower tides. Um, they really concentrate, and you kind of locate those fish um, during the summertime. That changes a bit in that the fish are a little bit more spread out. They're not really keyed in onto particular spots. It's kind of more of a of just looking for where they're kind of you know, bigger general areas of where they're hanging out. And, you know, like Cameron said, that you know, big oyster beds are really, really nice for for redfish and, and bigger bays that are kind of flooded during uh higher tides in the summertime can be really, really productive. Um but it really just depends on the on the ti uh, on the seasons and uh um
2: yeah I would I would say that was like one of the biggest things learning wise um, that was a challenge. It's because you think, oh, you know, redfish are redfish. They they're they going to act the same the entire year, right. which is... Right,
1: you can go into a spot, you know, 15, 20 times, and they're not going to be in there. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you go to our, you know, that same spot in a totally different season, and, and they're loaded. Right, yeah. It's, just, yeah. it's it's just very seasonally dependent. Just, yeah. You can't get caught up in... in the fact that redfish are in one spot, you know, all mm. year round, or not?
2: Yeah, and it, you know, I, I did say, you know, generally you'll find more schools in the winter, in the in the spring, which I, I think it's true. But I mean, that's not to say. You can't stumble upon a school of, right, of right. you know, 50 to 100 redfish in the summer because, yeah. it you know, it happens. It does. Yeah. Um, meat grinders. <laughs> yeah, meat grinders. <laughs> Top secret spot. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it happens. So, you know, just always be aware that, you know, you don't have to be in a, a big bay or, you know, a spot with a bunch of oysters. You know, it's, it's
0: just it can happen in a little creek. Yeah. Right. One of my favorite Places to sight fish or to start looking to maybe not find big groups of fish, but to find, you know, f- singles or, you know, three to ten fish together or like these shallow dead ends that are all over our marsh. There's tons of them. So like mm-hmm. you get these spoil islands that run down like, you know, one side of our marsh system and you get these creeks that kind of finger back in and then they'll kind of come into this, not a bay, but like a little pocket that might be, you know, the size of a basketball uh, court. I was about to say basketball field <laughs> a basketball I'm, I'm, I know everything about sports I think uh, like kind of like a fish trap yeah like, like a little fish where,
2: trap. where you know there's a there's a big you know kind of creek running in and there might be a couple fingers coming off but at the end there's a big, there's a big, you know, bay yeah. at the end. That, you know, where's it gonna maybe, funnel them to? Where's it gonna push right. them to? Yeah. It could it's be, big. it could be really, it could be, you know, half the size of a basketball court. It could be basketball the size field. of a best, yeah, basketball <laughs> field. <laughs> it could be half the size of a basketball court. And, you know, it, it's it's hard to say, but um, those are never bad spots to yeah, check. Yeah, I
1: mean, I think that's a, a really, really good piece of advice. Is, is finding those natural fish traps those yeah funnels those yeah. areas where fish are going to just naturally you know think about how bait are just going to naturally concentrate and naturally funnel
0: um for sure for sure and i like uh i like those those shallow dead ends too for another reason and it's like those fish feel safe in them you know they get mm-hmm. all the way back into this creek and it's shallow and they know like all right i've got deep water just just ahead of me here you know 50 yards away but I can sit back and hear i've got enough water to stay you know hidden from the ospreys but i'm not going to be in this deep channel where the dolphins can get me and mm-hmm. there's also a lot of bait thinking the same thing like pushing right. itself up right. against the edge of these grass so what i look for in those shallow dead ends is like a creek that just kind of comes up to one of these spoil islands but also has maybe like a little bit of broken flooded grass that at like a mid to high tide starts to flood up a little bit those fish can slide up into that grass in the summer how many times do you like not on a flood tide but on a normal high tide, you just see those fish kind of laid up right on the edge of the grass. Uh, They love those spots where they can feel safe, but move out to feed when they need to. Especially
2: like broken up grass. Um, Not necessarily like really dense grass, but if at the end of, at the end of a, you know, a Creek and there's a, you know, an area that's kind of, you know, like a funnel. If there's broken up grass back there for whatever reason, they love sitting near broken up grass. Yeah, they do. Like, if it's really dense on the side, I don't generally see them there. But, uh, you know, in the summer, you can pull up on some broken up grass and there might be 10 redfish. Yeah, there. for the sure. thing
1: to mention is, is, like, water temperatures and stuff. Yeah. Right? You know? mm-hmm. Red, yeah. Redfish are, are, and all fish are, are creatures of habit and they like, you know, they're, they're simple, right? They like, you know, temperature, they like temperature regulation. So they're trying to find the right temperature. They're trying to find bait and they're trying to find safety from the predators, so thinking like the fish and trying to find those areas where they like to be comfortable in that temperature. You know, you don't want it too hot when it's in the summertime. Try and find those cooler waters. And you try and find those warmer temperature areas during the wintertime. Yeah. So you just kind of try and put your head where the fish are and be and the fish. For sure. <laughs> Jeff, I
0: think you're really good too, as well as you Cameron, better than myself, at really looking into all these factors of temperature and weather and right. all these things right. that play into it. And, and, and one thing that I've started doing too is like, Logging or not logging, but looking at um, water temperatures when I see these schools of redfish show up. You know, like, all right, this spot really loaded up with fish, when, like in the spring or the fall when it hit. You know, sixty-eight degrees. These it seems like all right. Now three years now, it's been sixty-eight degrees, and these fish have showed up. And so, Cameron, I know you do a good job, and I've tried to start doing this more. But keeping a fishing log with all that information sure. metric pressure, weather, time of year, tide—like dive into that and, and tell us everything that you write down, what you look for, and like mm-hmm. how how that's played in over the over the years of your fishing to success.
2: Yeah. So um, I guess I started keeping a fishing log about. Four years ago, um, that's awesome, and it, it's uh, it's it's been really helpful. I mean, because a lot of times, it, you know, it's Thursday, and I'm thinking, all right, you know, weather looks good. Where am I going to fish? And instead of being like, man, I know we caught a fish last year, or we we were really into some redfish last year at this, but I can't remember where it was. Can't remember exactly the time of year it was. You know, so on and so forth so it's 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 really helped me because I mean anytime I catch uh, a fish i I log it in a book and you know write down the date the water temperature the spot uh and in the the uh the weather yeah um and it's helped for sure um I wouldn't say so much as helped like okay the barometric pressure was this you know yeah. the the fish are gonna be there again it's it's more so the time of year um because, you know, fish are, believe it or not, creatures of habit and sure. uh, tend to go to around at least the same areas certain times of year. Um, and, it, you know, that, that's been a big help for sure. Um, and also something that's like really, I would say, has made me more successful in actually just catching fish is just finding spots uh, over the years. That have had fish in the past, and, and going there again the same time of year. Yeah. Uh, the the following year because they might not be in the exact same spot, but generally
0: they'll be somewhere around, you know, yeah, pretty close by. Definitely. I think there's through the years of fishing, I've kind of dialed it down to there's. I used to think it was two, but now I really think it's four. Four main things that really drive all fish, and that's feeding and spawning. So those are going to be two two key factors that drive fish to to move, drive fish to different areas, drive fish to to act certain ways. But then also water temperature and moon phase. It seems like those are the four things that really push fish into new areas, have fish act you know real real pissy or act really fired up. Um, and and those are things that need to be paid attention to when you're on the water. And I think
1: the moon phase is. is- Is very tidal. Yeah, very tidal. That's that's very, you know, they they correspond with each other. Those big tides. Definitely. Big low tides, big high tides.
0: Definitely. And the pressure plays into it as well. Like, think about this last week here in North Carolina. It affects their bite. It affects their bite. Yeah, not where they are necessarily, but their bite. But think about the trout. Last week, we had like two big fronts and right in line with the full moon. Mm-hmm. And the amount of big trout that were caught in one week, citation fish, mm-hmm. insane. And that bite has just died in the past couple days after that yeah, front, I mean, like front.
2: I feel like it definitely plays into redfish and trout, but I almost trout. Board. feel like trout more so because, like before a big front moves through this time of year, man, the bite gets like really good. Yeah, and you, I mean, you can have some really good days, days For leading sure. up to a front, and then all of a sudden. You know, for a few days after the front, the bite just almost disappears. Yeah,
1: you've talked about it before. Um, But, I mean,
2: I'm I'm no scientist, so don't quote me on this, but there's a saying, you know, low and slow. When the pressure's low, generally fish's bladder expands. Yeah. And when their bladder is expanded, it it makes them uncomfortable. And so they find deeper water, because when they go deeper, their bladder shrinks. Yeah. And w- which is more comfortable for them. And that I think the two, uh, you know, inshore fish that are most susceptible to that are redfish and trout. Yeah, definitely. for sure. I
1: definitely. think trout, even more so, it's, it's I think a, a lot of it has to do with just the size of their bladder in relation to their body. Yeah. So those mm-hmm. trout have a bigger bladder, so they're more affected by that pressure. I think mahi are another fish that have big bladders so that are fe- affected by that
2: pressure. Yeah, so and I also mean, think, um, you know, if if the you know if trout are feeding like crazy before a front moves in, and then it passes for a few days, they're probably fairly
0: full. Yeah, definitely. Um, right. And then I think that's what we're dealing with right now. Yeah. Um, well, that that's those are just some some great points. And um, another thing to kind of think about that I I always remind myself of is like. I'm so focused, especially on redfish, of, like, shallow water site fishing redfish. And I forget that there's, like, all these other types of redfish out there. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's fish that just make their living on, on fishing, like, in deep water on structure. There's fish that just sure. make their living on docks. And not that all these fish don't, you know, transition from, from like... I think a fish that you could see up on a flat one day like tailing could also be a fish that two days later is dock. sitting on a dock eating yeah. you know bait like bait fish under a dock yeah. that uh, two weeks later is in 30 feet of water on a on a rock pile or a jetty you mm-hmm. know they do so much and and to 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 be a versatile fisherman, not someone who's like I'm just gonna go sight fish for redfish in shallow water to know like through a log like Cameron's keeping a log all right low pressure. These fish's bladders are big. They're going deep. I'm going to go. I want to catch redfish this weekend. I'm not going to go just beat up the Creek that I know has a school in it. I'm going to go fish the jetty with bait because I bet a lot of fish that might've been on some docks or some flats around there have dropped into this deeper water. And there are probably more, more fish in that zone than Mm -hmm. in the shallow water. Like Mm -hmm. thinking that way and and putting these pieces together, I think, um, really helps. And it's tougher as a guide when a lot of my people want to target redfish in shallow water i can't be like all right well i bet the bite's going to be a lot better if we go fish you know some deeper docks or the jetty like they want to go just try to throw a fly at at fish but to be a a weekend warrior an angler that is willing to to try these different tactics you can learn so much and be so much more effective so for sure yeah so all right so the last thing one of the last things i want to talk about was like online resources and how that plays into y'all's fishing talking about like uh, Maps, Google Maps, uh, Google Earth, as well as like YouTube and being able to learn from mm. resources like podcasts and YouTube videos, whether it's knots or like yeah, yeah. tactics and styles like that. So that, that was the one thing I was going to say
2: is knots. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've watched a lot of YouTube videos on, uh, on, on fishing and not just knots, but you know, watching, yeah. watching people sight fish, redfish in the marsh and, yeah seeing how they're, you know, how they're approaching them. And, um, I mean, and not only redfish, I mean, Cobia, you know, what are, what are these guys throwing at Cobia that seems to be effective? Yeah, you know, definitely. Um, what kind of live bait are people using? You know, it, it it's a huge resource that you shouldn't be ashamed to use right, um, right? because you can learn so much and it's, it's there for, for everyone
0: yeah across state lines there's different tactics for different fish that you're like oh crap we can do that here
1: yeah exactly you can take a lot from what you learn from other people from different areas and bring them to you know bring them to home and different species for that matter if you're a bass fisher you can take a lot from from people who are fishing the saltwater or other way around vice versa so yeah it's there's there's definitely a lot you can learn from online resources including you know youtube and and, and weather resources as well yeah you know, you're just,
0: big on the no apps and stuff like yeah, that absolutely
1: I'm always, I'm always on that stuff just you know especially looking at, at the live winds and the live barometric pressure and the live water temperatures and yeah. things like that just,
0: just and there's always air you've kind of shared with me too like there's always like predictions mm-hmm. on tides but then also understanding like what the tide mm-hmm. actually did based upon the wind yeah. and all these other factors right. that play in yeah no jeff Turned me on
2: big time to some really, really good uh, weather resources. That yeah. like, I mean, because for the longest time I just had like a tide app. Yeah, I'm like, oh, this is what the tide is. Right. Not correct. <laughs> I mean, sure. like, because it'll be like, okay, the tide's supposed to be, you know, four point nine feet, but in actuality, because of weather, because of whatever, you know, there's there's better resources out there that tell you what it was supposed to be and what it actually is it's like oh okay it it was going to be a 4.9 oh it's actually going to be a 5.3 right i mean we we should go flood tide fish you know
1: and you can start putting those connections with the winds and the tides so you got a strong northeast blow. you know you're going to get some water moving and you can probably fish a flood tide when you know you normally can't so it's it's definitely you can start putting those connections together for
0: sure uh, what if people wanted to find the, that app that you use or that that website? What is that?
1: So I mean, for for that, it it kind of just depends on where you are. Yeah, you know, there's there's NOAA stations all along the coast that are okay. they're bringing in live information, which a lot of those other apps are are kind of getting their data from, mm-hmm. and they're they're showing you what what they make of it. But you can go get kind of get that raw live data feed yourself and that's that's typically coming from NOAA. and you can kind of find those weather stations through their website
0: okay cool and yep. what's the what is their website uh
1: noaa.gov N-O-A-A dot G-O-V, N-O-A-A noaa.gov N-O-A-A
0: dot G-O-V. cool
1: yep cool. and if you so for example you could just kind of like search noaa weather or noaa tide station for Wilmington, for example okay. cool and most likely it'll just kind of you know, pop up all the different stations that are collecting the data. There's probably one out uh, there, is one in the river. There's one like right off our coast. Those are the two. There's, you know, one a little bit further south of us, one a little bit further north of us. So, it yeah. kind of depends on where you are and finding that closest actual live station, which is it's nice. Yeah.
2: yeah, and one thing that makes that even easier to get to, which I might be an old man and <laughs> this might be total old news, but you can go to a website and make it like uh, an app on yeah, your phone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. You didn't know that? I must be a really oh, old man. <laughs> oh, dude, it is yeah, awesome. You can, like you, you, can you just go to your home screen Yeah. You bookmark it to your home screen. So anytime I want to check that website for the weather, current, uh, it's like right here, you know, wind it. and, Oh, that's, uh, you're going to have to show me how to do that. Yeah. This. You can just, you can bookmark See, it, it onto
0: is. your home screen. That's perfect. Well, that is, that's huge. And that you can look at live barometric pressure readings on NOAA as well. Yep. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. 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 Well, the last thing I wanted to kind of talk about, and this is a little less, you know, I think necessary than just understanding the trends and the reason these fish are there, but, but talking about what y'all like to throw, like, let's just talk about your confidence baits for redfish and trout, not, not flies, nothing like that. But just like, if you're going to go, if you're going to tie on one bait to sight fish as well as blind cast for, for redfish and then, and then one, one bait for trout, what are y'all going to throw? That's a tough one. Yeah, there's a lot of
2: options. Go ahead. I, think, I think it. Start um, off with trout. Start off with trout, okay. Um sure good too. But trout tricks. Trout tricks. Mutoring. Mood color. Yeah. God, I, mean, I hate that color. I can never I get bit hate, on color I don't you know why. I mean, it might just be this year, but that, that, for whatever reason this year, that's the one that's been yeah. working.
1: Trouts are. Trouts are re- I, I'm not a professional <laughs> trout fishing by any means, but I, I personally feel like trout's a tough one. Yeah. Trout's yeah, because it,
2: there's it, a lot of options. I mean, there's a ton of options to I throw fill, I don't.
1: really feel like they get keyed in on some things. Yeah, I do. Redfish, a lot of times...
2: Redfish are not It's too so presentation-based. Yeah, yeah, red. yeah, redfish yeah, are not exactly. that picky. It's, it's way
1: more presentation-based with redfish than it is with trout. Trouts, they can get keyed in on size and colors and, and where the bait's kind of suspending in the water column. Yep, I mean, yep. they yeah. They're, they're, they're much more bass-like Which is in that reason. recently. they do get finicky.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would say I would say my favorite for trout, um, really really early morning would be um, top waters. Yeah, the beat that. the smaller spooks. Um, and then you know once the sun gets up, uh, I've had a lot of success with trout tricks in in a variety of colors. Um, paddle tails in a variety of colors. Um, electric chicken yeah. can be a really good color sometimes. It's overlooked nowadays, it but is it's overlooked. still such yeah. a strong color. It is it's overlooked. overlooked. Fried the fried ch- Everybody <laughs> and, likes fried chicken. And <laughs> I swear, some of the most high number of trout catches I ever had was when I really didn't know how to fish that well, and I was using an electric chicken uh, curly tail <laughs> that was a gulp. And holy, awesome. I mean, other than the lizard fish, just absolutely crushing that thing. Yeah, I mean, I would absolutely. I mean, I had seventy plus fish. To well, maybe we should go back to that. Let's yeah, go yeah. do that sometime. Like well, way I feel like technical. I'm catching more quality trout yeah. now yeah, on, on the lures I use now. But you're not catching as many because they're smarter. But you're yeah. catching more quality
1: fish. Yeah. Um, this has been a great year for trout. It has, it has yeah.
0: It's uh, been a great year to learn about trout, too. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, sure. really understand them because there's a lot of fish around Yeah,
2: it. no, and the weird thing is, too, with trout is, like, you almost have to, like, if they're not being really aggressive, you know, work your bait slower. You yeah, know? definitely. It, it, it might feel, like, really odd to drag your bait
0: on the bottom it freaking works but it can work really well every bite we had today on a soft plastic was just it was a paddle tail and just reeling it just slow enough that it was just kind of dragging along the bottom with its tail kicking yeah
2: i mean it's weird
0: because you know
2: i i can't in my head i can't imagine trout eating off the bottom like a like a redfish but you know they do it They definitely do it and
0: so like texas louisiana that's like the you know those fish are there's no current they're they're more like redfish mm -hmm, in ways mm -hmm. and here, here in certain areas in North Carolina, we're so focused on on current. But as, as I'm learning more and more, it's like you don't have to catch trout in current. They're, they'll be sitting in boat basins and yep. you know dead, know dead water, frog water areas. Yeah, interesting. it's so interesting. So, what's your what's your redfish bait? Redfish. I
2: mean, my, my favorite one to fish with is definitely just top waters. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, just because it's the most fun. Yeah. And especially you know, kind of morning to mid morning, if the especially if it's a little bit calm. I really like throwing top waters. Um, I'm not gonna lie; I will definitely throw a popping cork with a voodoo shrimp under oh, yeah. it, which uh, has actually proven to be extremely effective yeah, around here. a there. little sauce on there. Yeah, yeah a little love. bit of shrimp sauce on there. Um, but yeah I mean, like we kind of talked about before, I don't think it's so much, especially because we do a lot of redfish sight fishing. It's not so much what you're throwing um i mean you can throw pretty much any color of paddle tail or jerk shad or yeah. gulp or you know whatever you are or fancying at that point in time but i mean if you put it in front of their face and lead them a little bit generally they're, they're gonna if they're if they're hungry they're gonna eat it
0: yeah definitely um so yeah I agree. It's uh, it's so presentation-based. And I think it's also like what do you feel confident with? There's it, so much that comes down to confidence and also knowing your bait really well. Like sight fishing with redfish, I want to have made a bunch of casts with that weight jig head and with that soft plastic on there so I know exactly what it feels like to throw at 35 feet. You know, how hard is it going to land? How, how much do I need to lead this fish? Like understanding and being confident and— and dialed in with what you're using mm-hmm. is is going to help a lot. And it and it
2: definitely like there's there's definitely been times where I've been fishing redfish, and they're more dialed in on a certain color. Yeah, definitely. and if like they're not eating for whatever reason, just you know switch it up, do something like the complete opposite of what you're throwing. Um, oh, and then I did want to touch on like dock fishing yeah. for redfish. Um. I've had because for a long time I was only dock fishing because I didn't have the capability to go, you know Mm -hmm. in shallow water. I could I have found schools of redfish that like I could throw a cut bait to I could throw gulp to and if they're on docks man they like would not touch it yeah and as soon as I put a mud minnow on yeah it was like game on yeah something I feel like something that's like more natural and just kind of freaking out. I and mean, they just like it's like candy to them. Yeah, okay, definitely.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, live bait's always gonna, always gonna beat up.
2: Yeah, but it, it's weird because like you would think, you know, redfish in the marsh, you know, will eat artificials generally pretty well. Yeah. And but redfish on docks, for
0: whatever reason, you know, that can be really turned off to artificials. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to a guy the other day. Actually, Travis Overman. He's been on the show. And he was talking about his friend and the way that he dock fishes. And he's, he's running a boat with a trolling motor. But he kind of, Travis was describing it as like power fishing docks. And I was like, that is freaking genius. But what he does is he fishes, a, he gets a bunch of live mullet and jig heads. If he hears this, he's probably going to be, be pissed that I'm sharing this information. <laughs> but he gets a bunch of live mullet and jig heads. And he goes with his trolling motor and just picks a stretch of docks. And just starts working down them and pitching the live mullet up underneath the dock and reeling it out, you know, kind of bumping it out like a, like it was a soft plastic or something and make four or five casts on a dock, maybe two or three casts on a dock until he hooks a fish and then he'll stop and then he'll bait fish the dock.
1: Yep. So he's like, then he'll,
0: switch, like, to then he'll switch to Carolina rigs or knocker rigs and pitch mm-hmm. up underneath there mm-hmm. and fish it. But instead of like, and he, and Travis was like, dude, he's found so many groups of he's fish, not like big schools. <laughs> he's going to be mad at me. Not big schools, but just, you know, sometimes big schools, sometimes you're into docks that hold three or four fish and if and same thing as spots in the marsh if you find a dock that holds fish it's going to hold fish more than just that one time like i can't tell you how many docks have produced from a year after year after year yeah, oh for sure and so I having almost, a bunch of docks in your back pocket that you yeah. can hit on a crappy day is day very, savers yeah, and day especially
2: savers. talking about windy days i mean yeah. a lot of, a lot of times redfish are on docks that um you know are in bed basins or, yep. or whatever and um, those are great places to fish on really windy days. Yeah,
0: and there's also a bunch of people that post pictures on Instagram that are very revealing <laughs> yeah. about what kind of, what, which dogs they're fishing, and if you just yeah. pay a little bit of attention, oh, yeah. you don't even have to go look for yourself. That's right. That's right. So just uh, just keep your eyes peeled, and uh, maybe you can just get a little free handout. But Jeffy, <laughs> well, what are your? Did you already share your favorite? Uh, yes. No, you haven't. You haven't. Hmm. I would say
1: as far as artificial <laughs> is it, a white gulp shrimp is pretty hard to beat for feeding redfish when, yeah. they're, when they're pretty finicky i mean if you're just covering bait with a, a suspending lure i mean a white gulp shrimp's pretty hard to beat i would say um yeah who doesn't love throwing topwater love throwing topwater in the morning that's yeah. that's great but you can't always throw top water. A lot of times, they're not they're not feeding on that. So if I had to say one for redfish, go to when they're finicky, a white gulp shrimp would probably be it for for uh, artificials. But I mean, if I'm sight fishing, I'm probably not throwing that. Yeah. But if I'm searching and and just kind of blind casting, I, I would say white gulp shrimp for redfish.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, as far as search baits are concerned, if you have one person throwing a top water. And one person throwing a white gold shrimp on a jig head—that's that's about as idea. good of a yeah. combo yeah. as you yeah. can do. Yeah, you got do. two people sure. on your bow doing that. I
1: mean, that's,
2: that's yeah, it's a good way to cover through cover sure. through water. Yeah, because one, pair, you know, with the top water, you can throw it super far. So you got one guy covering, you know, a lot more distance. And then if they're not, for whatever reason, don't want top water, which can definitely happen, you at least have someone that's covering a little bit of area yeah. with something that sits a little bit lower.
1: I really like those uh, the heavy mirodines for trout as well. Yeah. I really like those for trout. You can cover some good ground. They got a little bit of flash in them. Yeah. And they sink a little bit lower than than the lighter mirror You can mirror work lowers. quicker and still yeah, have a good connection with exactly. that bait. Exactly for sure. So I mean, it's hard for me to speak to trout, but if I were to say for trout, I'd I'd probably give it a heavy heavy mirodine.
2: Yeah, for oh, sure. I do want to add one uh, lure to my list, and uh, Ben might strangle me, but. <laughs> because uh, you turned me on to it, but it's the uh, the red flake DOA shrimp.
0: Oh, dude, yeah. Th- yeah. You can't beat the red flake. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you just dead stick that for thing. Tra- And for redfish sight fishing, man. Yeah. Fish like, sight they fishing eat too. the crap out of them yeah. today. Yeah, they love it. Man, that red flake DOA shrimp. Ben was like, we were talking about the other day, and people come in. They're like, uh, "What color DOA shrimp?" He's like, Ben always says, "There's only one color." I mean, there's like fifteen colors on the wall, but there's only one color. It's the red flake. It's, <laughs> it's the only red one flake color DOA that shrimp. works. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, in dirty, dirty water or in crystal clear water, it looks great. Oh yeah, because I mean,
2: for the longest time, you know, people were like, oh, you know, I'd be like, I want to go, you know, I really want to catch some trout, and they're like. Popping cork do shrimp yeah. and i'm like yeah. okay well there's like 15 colors which one do i use and like i don't know and which weights like yeah so i would get like the ones with like gold flakes and white on the top and one with chartreuse and maybe yeah. you know and like none of them really worked that great and then once i found, once i was
0: told about the red flake i was like now i get why these things <laughs> are so awesome i'm a sucker for soft plastic shrimp like I've got a whole tackle box filled to the brim. Like I can barely close it with all these different types of shrimp. And then like three sections in there are red DOAs. I never pick anything else out of there except for the red DOAs. But I'll still buy other shrimp and keep putting them in there, but I never use them. But I would say, as y'all were answering this, like I was thinking, all right, if I had to just pick one bait across the board for everything inshore that I was doing, Mm -hmm. I think it would be a red bone trout trick rigged on a Texas eye jig. Because you can sight fish, you can fish in like kind of heavier cover, you can catch trout on it, you can shake that around on the bottom and drag so like it and catch there? flounder. It's not a, it's just a trout trick, not the swimming trick. Okay. It really really any any of the Z Man plastics and red bun. It's like a word? baby bass color almost. Okay. It's kinda of like a brown with some red flakes yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um but but the redfish love it in shallow water sight fishing, like it's a good color there, down in the river in the dirty water, up in the clean water. Uh, I've caught some big trout on it this year in super clean water, just dragging it across the bottom. I've caught them in dirty water. I mean, that's a really good bait. Yeah. And I think that trout trick, like all the oh. Z-mans, I hope people know this, that fish them, but they float a little bit. And so yeah. right on mm-hmm. the Texas Eye, mm-hmm. it's got that like little pendulum deal or it's mm-hmm. got like a, it's articulated. So the, the bait will float up real nicely on it. So mm-hmm. like with redfish, sight fishing, you throw that in there and like the jig head sits down and that trout eye sticks straight up and you can just kind of jiggle or yeah. the, yeah. It just—it's a cool bait all around. That's yeah, a lot of fish it, like when that. it
1: sits on the bottom, it's like you said, it floats. It so it's, spins, it's yeah. still kinda, it still kind of—it looks like a bait fish that's kind of digging. Yeah, in the for a sure. little bit. So flounder. Sure. Yeah. Really, is good for letting that fish find the lure.
0: Yeah, and you could go probably whack the bass on the same yeah. same setup too. They right. love it. And,
1: and some of those other you know soft plastics—they kind of just lay like a dead fish yeah. on the bottom. Yeah, you know,
0: for sure. Just,
1: it's definitely not as. It looks you know, Attractive as as that lure. Yes. Yeah.
0: Nice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I think that's kind of all our questions and the, all our topics. Do y'all have any closing thoughts that, that y'all want to leave people there that maybe just get a couple of days a month to go fish? And um, y'all have something you want to share with them? If not, no worries. Yeah, you no. Know, I
2: I would say, um, you know, I've been super frustrated with fishing before, and it it just takes time, and yeah. it takes a good network, and you know, don't I wouldn't say don't don't give up really easily because. Um, the the payoff is is really worth the the time put in yeah um it's just a great way to get outside and enjoy the outdoors and uh yeah
1: yeah i mean uh, to piggyback off that i i i think it's it just get out there and and you know don't get caught up in all the you know, the technical details of it. We've talked about a lot of different lures, a lot of different tactics of what to look for. Um, just get out there, get by yourself. Um, take everything in. You know, really just, you know, don't talk. Just let it be silent. Let it be quiet. Look at the birds. Look at the water. Just kind of take everything yeah. in and cover ground and just enjoy it. For sure. You'll find fish. Yeah,
2: no, I think that's a, that's a really good point because I think over the years I've had to learn that, even if you know i've had plenty of days where i've gotten skunked and um instead of you know being upset about it just being really enjoying just being out there yeah, you know it's so pretty just take it all in as a weekend warrior you only get a couple days yeah. to you know really just be outside and enjoy your time and um yeah just don't 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 bring yourself down just cuz you didn't you weren't successful in catching fish but yeah just be happy that you got to spend a lot just of time have low outside yeah. <laughs> yeah. always
0: <laughs> always have low expectations <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that for a weekend where you're listening to this podcast like the takeaway what you should leave from this podcast and go apply to your your uh, you know your tactics if you're not already doing it is one keep a log of everything. Two, don't get sucked into just doing the same thing every time. Go fish for different species as well as go fish different areas and styles of fishing. Um, And three, um, yeah, three. (laughs) I can't remember what it was, but I think those two are real (laughs) important. Keep a log and just be versatile and go do multiple different things and and move quickly through an area until you find fish and then pick it apart. and learn. Three, use
1: your resources.
0: Yeah, use your resources. Scouting resources. Your weather, your Google Maps. Figure out your
1: game plan.
0: Scowl a little yeah, bit. just so we get it on this whole podcast in yeah. thirty seconds. Yeah. <laughs> just be open-minded.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, be open-minded. Well, guys, thanks so much for coming on tonight. Thanks Hopefully, we'll be able us. to do some more super fun. It's always so. It was such a because Cameron and Jeff are like two of my best buddies, and so it was really awkward. I thought it'd be easier, but really awkward at first <laughs> talking like this because it's like felt so so fake. But I really enjoyed this. It's definitely become or been my favorite. Uh, you know, been become my favorite people to have on the show. Um, or to interview, I'm struggling with my words right now. I'm just so nervous, but uh, <laughs> but no, it's just been a been a super good interview, and it, it's become real easy. And, and I, I've taken a lot from this, and I hope that that you weekend warriors as well as you seasoned anglers can can learn from this as well and get out there and be more successful. And I I also want to add that you know
2: having a a good woman in your life makes this makes this whole thing a lot easier. Yeah, it does. If, if you if your wife or your girlfriend is getting mad. That, uh, that you're going fishing every weekend or, you know, spending time outdoors, then... You might need to move on to the next one.
0: <laughs> Maybe not the next wife, but the next girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the next wife, but the next girlfriend. First percent for sure. Yeah, it, having yeah. someone that, that understands your passion for the outdoors and fishing, and and wants you to do what you love is, is important. You know. Yeah. But also, sure. you gotta you gotta be respectful and 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 help. Yeah. Whatever that, however that may look. Balance your time. Balance your time. You know, for sure. No, I, th-
2: I think we've all three of us have gotten very lucky in that aspect. We yeah. have. Right? Yeah. For we sure, have, um, as my dad would
0: have said, out kicked our coverage. <laughs> yes, one
2: hundred percent.
0: But um, yeah, that, that's a really good point. We've got great, great. Uh, we've got great lovers in our life that really care for us to have a good time <laughs> on the water. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, right. it's been super fun, and I hate we didn't have Billy on the show tonight, but he will be back next week, and uh, we we don't have that show locked in. I think we're probably going to be talking um, trout tackle just and transition from like fall trout fishing to winter fishing and like kind of like what you need to be throwing and, and what you need to be looking for out in the water. And we're going to be probably talking with, it's not hundred percent dialed in yet and nailed down, but with Chadwick um, of South and Anglers up at Topsail beach, North Carolina about that. He's a tackle guru knows a ton of information and uh, just a really cool resource. Someone who's guided and fished all over the world. And he, you'll be able to learn a lot from him. But um, thanks again for tuning in tonight. Again, this was episode 24 of Eastern current, our first, ever just podcast edition of this show we're going to be doing more of these throughout the winter Um, but like i said thanks for tuning in and we will see y'all next week later